Now, there were amazing scenes in Texas last week, right? As a judge sentenced a former police officer, Amber Geiger, right? For 10 years in prison. In 2018, Amber killed an innocent man when she mistakenly entered his apartment believing it was her own apartment. And because she was a police officer, she ended up killing this man. What amazed everyone when the trial took place last week uh, is that the brother of the victim, uh, the victim is, um, is called Botham, the brother of the victim, Brandit, took the witness stand and spoke directly to his brother's killer. He said to Amber, I love you like anyone else. I am not going to say, I hope you rot and die. And I didn't want to say this in front of my family, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you, because I know that is what my brother Botham would want for you right now. And then he added, I want you to give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ is the best thing Botham would want for you. And I know that if you go to God now and ask him, he will forgive you. As if that wasn't enough, Brandit uh, went to the judge, you know, spoke to the judge and asked the judge for permission to see if he could go over there uh, to where Amber was sitting to give her a hug. And the judge, at this point, of course, was in complete tears. Uh, he gave the go-ahead and he went over there and they met in, basically in between and he hugged her and the scenes of this video are all over the internet. Afterwards, um, the judge gave Amber a Bible and pointed her to a scripture and encouraged her, the judge as well, to surrender her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was uplifting to see such display of grace, uh, to see almost like God has shown up in the courtroom the judge is a believer, the man who is forgiving the believer. It was just amazing. And to see the freedom that the Americans enjoy to display such things in the courtroom. But as we watch that, those scenes, not everyone agreed. Some people called the young black man branded, naive and misguided for forgiving the white former police officer. You see, this forgiveness cut across everything, race, murder, every, you know, all these sorts of issues. Some people didn't like to see such forgiveness and reconciliation. And as I thought about how people reacted and the debate this has sparked online, it raises an important question, doesn't it? What is the right way for us to respond when people offend and deeply hurt us? How, do, how should we respond when someone has trampled over our dignity, has done something terribly that hurt us. This question matters to all of us this morning, whatever our situation. Some of you have experienced, I think probably all of us, have experienced somebody who has hurt us in the past deeply. And perhaps some of us have forgiven them, but some of us carry grudges. We, we still feel bitter about that. And some of you are wrestling with us. Some of you are in a situation right now where it's really painful. You're in relationships that have just broken down, and you're struggling to forgive, you're angry, you're deeply hurt, and you're wrestling with forgiveness. 
You know God wants you to forgive, I guess, but you, it's hard, right? Some of you, of course, may not have experienced anything that I'm talking about, uh, young people, but you probably have a friend or a family member who has experienced that, or who's going through that, and you need to know, how should we respond when something like that has happened in our life, when somebody has been deeply hurt? And of course, as a family member, you are affected by that. If the person is bitter, as we'll see in a moment, as I'll touch on later, it will affect you as well. So you have a stake to know how to respond. And of course, for the young people here, you may not have experienced deep hurt in your life and uh, everything is fine, but one day you will get hurt. One day, it's a fact of life, somebody will deeply offend you. And uh, it's good to know now how you should respond if that situation arises. To help us uh, answer that question, how we respond to this, Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus' is Jesus's words in Mark 11, 25 are very helpful to us. You know, prior to this last week, last, sun, last, last Sunday morning, Jesus encouraged his followers in verses, the verses before this, 22 to 24, he encouraged his followers to, uh, to look to God, to have faith in God. He says, have faith in God. And uh, he talked about the importance of having a faith that prays. We should be praying as we express our faith uh, to God. But like all preachers, he likes, you know, wandering a little bit and adding just an extra point. And so as he's been thinking about prayer, he touches on something that's related to prayer, which is forgiveness in verse 25. He says, let's just read that. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Right? If you have anything against anyone, so that your father who is in, who, the father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I, I think about those words. I think those, those words of Jesus, I think there are two things I just want to share with you. Um, important truth that Jesus is teaching us about forgiveness. How, to answer that question, how should we respond when people hurt us, when people deeply offend us. And I think there are just two things that we need to bear in mind from, those pas- from that passage. The first truth I just want to share is in front of your outline. It says, all children of God need ongoing forgiveness from God. You need to remember that. All children of God who have been forgiven already need ongoing forgiveness from God. You see, a fundamental teaching of the Bible is that all of us enter this world as spiritual rebels against God. All human beings are sinners. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ma'am, dad, the prime minister, everyone, we are all sinners. And the result of your sin is that you stand condemned before God. You are under everlasting punishment. That's how we enter this world. Because Romans 1 verse 18 says this, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. We are all rebels, and the wrath of God rests on us. But here is the good news of the Bible. That's why there's nothing like the good news of the Bible. Because the Bible says God is not asking you to make your way back to him. The good news of the Bible is that God has made a way of escape for you by himself coming to wear your flesh in Jesus, to become one of us. 
and suffering in your place on the cross. God the Son, Jesus, has been punished in your place on the cross. God poured his wrath on Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 to 25 says this, speaking of Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The wonderful news of Jesus that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. The wonderful news of Jesus is that if anyone is in Christ, is a new creature, the old has gone and the new has come. If you are a follower of Jesus, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins all forgotten. You know, God speaking through Isaiah, the prophet said this, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. God has done that for you. If you surrender your life, even if you, today you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, if you surrender your life to Jesus today, he will do that for you. If you have surrendered, he has done it for you. If you surrender, he will do it for you. So there's no excuse for not surrendering to Jesus. That's a great If you don't surrender, of course, you remain in sin and under judgment. And yet, if you have still surrendered to Jesus, Jesus in this passage is reminding us that God wiping our slate clean does not mean our sins no longer matter to him. We still need to go to him and ask for forgiveness for sins we commit now, look at verse 25 again. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. But then he says this, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Do you notice there, Jesus is saying even children of God have trespasses. They are still sinning against God's law and they need to be forgiven by God. Jesus is saying we need ongoing forgiveness for our sins or our trespasses, we commit against God every day. Are you confused by that? <laughs> are you confused that you are forgiven and yet you need to ask God for forgiveness for sins you're committing now? Well, I hope you're not married because if you are married, you should understand the principle, right? <laughs> Your wife will certainly expect you to ask for forgiveness when you commit offenses against her. Because you see, those who are married understand that the essence of marriage, this is why marriage is serious business. Because the essence of marriage is that when you marry that person, you forgive them all their offenses up front. That's why we say for better or for worse. Or for better for, for, for in death and in hell, whatever it is. What do we say? For better or for worse, right? <laughs> for better or for better, right? <laughs> right? With marriage, when you marry someone, you're forgiving offenses up front. When you're marrying them, you're saying, no matter how flawed you are, or how sinful you become against me, I will always be here for you. And I will always forgive you. That's why we take marriage very seriously. When a person, when a person who is single marriage, right? Uh, don't look at anyone. I'll look this way, right? Well, <laughs> when a person is single marriage, we say, think carefully about marriage. Because you're going to commit yourself to, um, to forgive that person up front. Right? And yet, so, so, so when you offend, because you're forgiving them up front, when you, when you do offend your wife, the marriage is still intact. 
And yet your offense against her is real and it hurts her still. It still needs to be dealt with. You need her to forgive you on the basis that she has already forgiven you upfront by marrying and accepting you in her life unconditionally. That's the basis for forgiveness. In fact, it is important you hear that she forgives you when you offend against her because it reassures you that her love and commitment to you has not changed. And there is more. The only reason your wife is offended by what you have done against her is that she loves you in the first place. Your actions matter to her. So, if your wife doesn't get upset, this is an encouragement to the husband, if your wife doesn't get, accept, doesn't get upset by things you do, she doesn't love you. It's terrible in marriage when you see the other person just accepting what people are doing to them. Because there's no love in that marriage. You need to reflect on that. I like when my wife is upset at me. I don't like my wife, but I'm thinking, yeah, she cares, she cares, right? She cares about me still, and I do what I can to, um, to, to make it up to her uh, by God's grace. It is the same thing with us and God. It is because God loves us deeply as his children. That is why our sins against his love offends God deeply now. You see, before we became children of God, we sinned against the law. But now we sin against, we sin against the light. We know what, how wonderful our Father is. We know how much he loves us. And when we sin against him, he should even offend us deeply. And it offends him deeply because it's like, this is the difference between a daughter sinning against the dad and the next door neighbor sinning against the dad. You know, if, some, if a neighbor you know, takes money from me, I'm not bothered. You know, I'll just report them to the police. It won't affect me emotionally. But if my daughter took money from me without asking for it, it offends me that she doesn't trust me just to give it to her. You see that difference? Okay? When we love, things change. So, we need to go to God and ask him to forgive us because, you see, if God didn't care about the things we do against him, then it, it doesn't really, it only proves that he does not love us. That we are illegitimate children. More importantly, we need his ongoing forgiveness to assure us that we do matter to him, right? That we really are his children. God needs God doesn't need your forgiveness. Doesn't need your forgiveness. Doesn't, doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't also need you to, to repent as such, given that he's already forgiven you. But you need that. It's for you. You need to go to him to say sorry, so you can be reassured that he still loves you. And he does, right? So all children of God need ongoing forgiveness from God. Now, you know that already, of course, and, and some of you already switched off, right? Fine. Because you already know that. Because why? Because you know the Lord's Prayer. You pray that, don't you? Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. So you know that already. Uh, you know First John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. If you confess your sin is faithful and just to forgive us our own righteousness. So you know these words, you know all of these scriptures that you need ongoing forgiveness. So you're wondering to yourself, why are you reminding us the obvious, right? I am reminding you of this point because if you are like me, you do not take sin in your life seriously as you should. You take God for granted. And I'm talking to believers, those who trust in Jesus right now. You take God for granted. How do I know this? Because this is clear from the language we use every day. We like to say, John has a problem with people rather than 
John has a sin of hatred in his heart. We rather say, Susan likes being the center of attention instead of saying, Susan has a sin of self-worship that grieves the very heart of God. We like to say, Jack is struggling with pornography. Instead of saying, Jack, if he's married, is an adulterer who desperately has left his wife for a digital prostitute. I don't even want to use the word pornography anymore. It's adultery or fornication, simple. We have cheapened sin to these terminologies. You see, our lack of seriousness about the sinfulness of sin is especially evident in our prayerlessness before God. We hardly pray. You know, when you get up in the morning, you're not praying for God. Some of you don't have prayer time, but you don't think it matters if you sin during the day. You're not asking God to, to, to help you, to protect you. When you go to bed in the morning, some of you just sleep with your phones, right? That's the, la- the phone is the last thing you see, right? Why? Because you don't take sin seriously. You should be on your knees before you sleep, repenting of what you've been up to during the day because it matters to God. But we don't do that because we don't take sin seriously. And you know, I know we don't take sin seriously because we don't really examine ourselves as we should. You see, those who take sin seriously are in accountable relationships. They have another sister they talk to about sins in their life. They're asking people, talk to me, look at me. Where is there sin in my life? I want to repent of sin because it offends God deeply. Right? They want to kill sin before it kills them. Those who know that they need forgiveness are humble about sins of people around them. Oh, we can go on about the sins in the world. We, we, we think sin is just Peter Thatcher or some other chap who's up to no good. Sin, our sins are worse, as I've said. We sin against the love of God. And if you know your sin is serious, it grieves you deeply. And you are less concerned, actually, about the sins of others. You're more concerned about your own sin. You see, those who know that they need forgiveness from God are very forgiving as well. No one forgives more than the person who knows they need forgiveness themselves. And that brings us to the second truth Jesus teaches us here, isn't it? The first truth is that your children of God need ongoing forgiveness from God. And the second truth is that all children of the forgiving God forgive others. Those who have been forgiven and are being forgiven forgive others. By the way, there's a wonderful thing before I get to this point, which you, you know I like triads, right? So when you think about forgiveness, you should consider it that we have been forgiven from eternity past. We are forgiven now in Christ, and we will be forgiven. And you can have a chat. I, know I just did that for Brother Rob because he likes those triads. But you can think about forgiveness uh, in those terms. So the second point here is that all children of the forgiving God forgive others. You, you trusted someone with painful issues, and now you found out she has been gossiping to other friends about you. You are feeling very annoyed. In fact, if you are like Mrs. Rooney, and your friend is like Mrs. Vadi, right? You're already on Twitter and Instagram telling the whole world about it. You're telling the newspapers where your stories about you are being leaked, right? We are like that, isn't it? When someone hurts us deeply, the natural response, as we've been reading in the news, is to avenge and revenge against them. We want them to suffer in some way for how they have treated us. 
But Jesus says, that is not how followers of Jesus should behave. If you are a child of God here this morning, if you are trusting in Jesus, you must forgive because God our Father forgives you. Let's read verse 25 again. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. When someone owes you money, you forgive them, don't you? you are, when you forgive them, you are wiping the slate clean. Right? When somebody owes you money and you decide to forgive them, what you're doing is you're saying, the debt no longer matters. The debt is cancelled. It's almost like it never existed. That's what forgiveness is. That's what the word there means. To release the offense. To let go of the debt against you. Right? And Jesus is saying, if someone has done something terrible, you should cancel or release the offense against them. So that it is no longer between you and them. Now, this is very important, right? This is the most important bit, I think, right? How do we do that, right? Well, in the Bible, forgiveness has two sides. Okay? The first side is dealing with God. And the second side is dealing with the offender. So let's deal with the person first. If you like, the other way to think about it is that it has a vertical element and the horizontal element. The vertical element between you and God and the horizontal between you and the offender. So, the, when a person offends you, the first step, biblically, is for you not to go to the person. No. It's for you to go to God and cancel the offense in prayer. This is why Jesus mentions prayer here. And whenever you stand, they used to stand in those. You know, the Jews, when they prayed, by the way, they, was, they stood and they looked up as if they were having a conversation with God most of the time. And he's saying, when you stood, they don't really do this closing thing. This is just invented by us. Right? They, they would speak to God as if they are speaking to man. Right? Uh, when I say us, we didn't invent it. I mean, the, world, the church, I guess, did for some reason, you know, closing eyes. Uh, but I'm going off tangent, right? Uh, what I'm saying is, when a person offends you, the first step, Jesus is saying, is for you to go to God and you cancel that offense. Right? Tell God in prayer that you reject to be the punisher of the person who has offended you. You no longer owe the sin against them. You tell God that you want his help so that you should not dwell on this incident again or use it against them. You want to love and welcome them in Christ. This is all happening between you and God in prayer. This does not, you may need to fast if you are wrestling with the issue. This does not mean you ignore what they have done or act like it never happened. It just means you're going unilaterally, this is important, unconditionally, releasing that person before God. This is a side of forgiveness that is unconditional. There's a lot of debate about conditional versus unconditional. Well, I'm teaching you today what Jesus is teaching you today, which is the first step is unconditional forgiveness before God. Between you and God, you need to deal with it. Okay? This is unconditional. It's important you understand that. And if you refuse unilaterally surrender the person before God, you are committing sin against God. If you refuse to release that person before God, you are committing sin against them. Between you and God, you haven't dealt with the person. I'm coming to that later, right? This is just the first side. This is vertical forgiveness. It's called. Now, I realize this is difficult for some of you to hear. You have been hurt by someone or are being hurt now by someone. You are wounded. 
you're married and your spouse does not respect your views or opinions about issues, and you are feeling increasingly resentful towards them. That happens in marriage. You're doing well at work, but your boss acts like you don't exist, and perhaps always passes you over for promotions, and you're feeling deeply hurt. You are making a huge effort to get alongside someone in the fellowship, perhaps, and you're doing your best to love them and care for them, but they just get around and say horrible things about you, and it, it hurts you deeply. Or perhaps you are unwell one day in the fellowship, as, as it's happened in this church, and no one, once, no one visited you, and it left you crushed. And the first best person you saw, you were thinking, what's going on? People don't even visit me, they're not even helping me. And you feel wondered about that. Or perhaps they didn't visit a relative, and it comes up time and time again. And it hurts you deeply when you remember that. And you still hold bitterness uh, against people for that. Because they have never truly repented for it. There are many situations like that. A friend at school who doesn't just who used to be a friend never talks to you, and it really cast your heart. You see, there's nothing more painful in life than being deliberately harmed by someone else. Car crashes are accidents. Diseases are impersonal. But when someone willfully abuses us, verbally, physically sometimes, financially, emotionally, that feels different. It pushes our pain off the scale. The pain we carry is real, and it makes it humanly impossible to admit that we struggle to forgive. And even when we admit it, it is hard, very hard to forgive. Forgiveness is hard. We should not minimize our pain. It's hard because of pain, and we should not minimize it. And Jesus is not minimizing it here. It is humanly impossible to Admit to one that you have unforgiveness. And Jesus is not minimizing the pain. Instead, he's pointing you to what you already have. He's saying, you, if you are in Jesus, you have God now as your father. Right? Jesus is reminding us that though we are, right, we are rightly, deeply offended by what people have done to us, our sins, our sins deeply cut the heart of God. You are hurt and broken by your situation. Your Savior knows that. And he's saying the key for you to work through your situation is to remember, listen to me carefully, you deserve much worse from God. You have been hurt by others, but actually you deserve much worse from God himself because your sins against God are worse than what other people have done to you. You deserve punishment from God. And yet God, in his rich mercy, put on your flesh in Jesus. He walked in your shoes and died on the cross for you. There on the cross, he forgave you all your sins, past, present, and future. Because you're in Jesus, God is not angry with you anymore. And he will never be. Because your sins still offend you, but in the grand scheme of things, you are already forgiven. And he proves that he loves you and accepts you in him by forgiving your sins every day, as we have said. This is why even when you are pained and hurt by someone, you must now forgive others because you are a child of the forgiving God who has forgiven you. And you know what? God doesn't just want you to forgive because you are, that is, it's your new nature now to forgive. 
He wants you to forgive because it is good for you. Christian psychologists tell us anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness can result in feelings of depression, anxiety, and many other problems. People who refuse to forgive become critical and suspicious of others. You can't hide bitterness. It always comes out one way or another. Trust me. And once you develop a critical spirit, people sense it and begin to stay away from you. No one wants to be with a person who is unforgiving. Families with bitter people are never happy families because everyone around them walks on eggshells. They are afraid of upsetting that bitter person. You know, in a family situation, beloved, unforgiveness damages everyone. Everyone in your family. Your unforgiving spirit can lead your spouse to start envying other couple. Take it as truth. If you're a wife and you're not forgiving, your husband will notice that and you'll be wondering, why aren't we happy as others, perhaps in the church? Ha, we're married. Of course, you don't know what's going on in their marriage. But that's how it looks from the outside. All of us were married and things always look different. But that's a temptation that comes when you're unforgiving. In a family situation, unforgiveness damages everyone. You see, if you, do not for, if you don't forgive your brother, say there's a brother who you have not forgiven. I'm talking about a human brother here. You have not forgiven him. Your children are affected by that. Why? Because they now think very little of their uncle. Perhaps at home you're always grumpy. Look what my brother has done. Blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, the children pick up on that. How are they going to relate to their cousins? They won't relate very well. They'll think he's a useless man. Or take the situation of the in-laws, which is, you know, as an African, it's always an interesting one. You know, you never get along with your mother, your, your father-in-law or your mother-in-law. Do you think the children will love their grandmother? Of course not. Your attitude has damaged a vital link in their relationship. Husbands, can I plead with you? Don't turn a blind eye to unforgiveness in your family. Encourage, if you are unforgiving yourself, repent. And if you're showing leadership, particularly, I'm not saying it's only women. If you, if you listen to me now, you think, I only think wives have a problem with unforgiveness. Of course not. It's, that, it's everyone's problem, right? But husbands, of course, God has given you that lead in the family, isn't it? You must take responsibility, right? And of course, if you have no desire to forgive, or you are continuously bitter or grudges, it means you yourself have ultimately, if it continues, you have never really experienced forgiveness in Jesus. This is a gospel issue for you. Are you saved or are you not saved? If you're saved, deal with unforgiveness. Agently. Seek pastoral help if you want. Speak to a sister. The help is available here. It's serious. You can't turn a blind eye on it. You know, Charles Spurgeon, we always like a good Spurgeon quote, don't we? Charles Spurgeon puts it like this. You are nothing better, if you are, no, you are nothing better than deceitful hypocrites. You know his language? <laughs> That's Spurgeon, isn't it? Sounds like Spurgeon. You are nothing better than deceitful hypocrites if you harbor in your minds a single unforgiving thought. And according to Spurgeon, you cannot be saved unless you are forgiving. If you do not choose to forgive, you choose to be damned. That's Spurgeon, isn't it? 
Because all children of God, and he's right, all children of God, as our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us, all children of the forgiving God forgive others. That's our second point we've looked at. Now, perhaps as you sit here uh, this morning, you are quietly asking, I want to forgive, I understand that now. It's a serious issue. But where do I start? Well, I say start by looking at Jesus hanging there on the cross for you. See how the blood of God the Son has wiped away your every stain. Remind yourself of how every day he's wiping your sins. Remind yourself of the seriousness of your sins before him even now. Meditate on the gospel. Sit under gospel preaching. And find the strength by reading the word of God to love and forgive. To release that person first before God. We are to forgive those who offend us unilaterally before God. It is not easy to do that. But if you are in Jesus, you are not alone, as I said. God the Spirit lives in you. He has given you the church to nature. You, there will be no time when you go to heaven. Lord, it was too difficult. You had all the help you needed. And you must take the help. We are here to help you as a church. To walk alongside you in pain. And God has brought you here for his purposes. To help you in that. To offer all the resources he has deposited in the church. You are not alone. And all of this was about the first side of forgiveness, unilateral forgiveness. There is a second side, and briefly I'll just say it is this, is that once you've released that person before God, you have, you have released them, you have forgiven them. But here's the thing. The person who has offended you cannot enjoy your offer of forgiveness to them until they ask for it from you. They can't even go to God and apologize for what they did to you. They must come to you. That's how God has designed it. Jesus doesn't deal with that here, but the scripture deals with that. And we know that, isn't it? Because even though God forgave us in eternity past, we only appropriate in Christ for those of us who, are, who God himself purpose to forgive in time. We only experience that forgiveness when we repented, when we appropriate that forgiveness. God only forgives ultimately those who repent. There is no general forgiveness for God. You must first repent your sins and then God will forgive you. In the same way, the other person can only enjoy your forgiveness if they come to you and say they are sorry. There are two issues with that. First of all, this is why the Bible encourages the person who's offended to do what God has done in Christ, to go to the offender and say, look, I've released you before God now, first step. Now I want to release you from the sin that you hold against me. I don't hold it against you, but it's a sin against God. And I want to free you, so to speak, from that. So apologize to me for what you've done. And if they apologize, God will release that sin against you. That's the horizontal. We'll release that sin against them, sorry. That's the horizontal forgiveness. Right? They can never be forgiven for what they've done against you until they apologize and repent to you. Even though you've already forgiven, they cannot benefit from it. What a shame, isn't it? They have to ask for it. And of course, when they ask you for it, you grant it to them. Why? Because you've already forgiven them before God, right? So the, condition, the unconditional and the conditional aspect of forgiveness. Is there someone here, perhaps you have offended? 
They have told you the evil you have done to them. And you know in your heart of heart it was bad. But your pride is keeping you from saying sorry. I will urge you to go to them because your sin against them still stands. You must ask for their forgiveness. Please do it. Do not let your pride destroy your walk with Christ. Your sin against a professing believer is not a small sin before God. You must repent to them. You know, James 5 verse 16 says this, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, may the Lord help all who have been offended to forgive as children of the forgiving God and the offended to repent and ask for forgiveness so that they can enjoy the forgiveness that is there in Christ. And of course, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, consider that God demands you to repent and receive the amazing forgiveness that he is offering you. But if you reject to repent, then you are rejecting his forgiveness. And your end will be eternal destruction. May the Lord help all of us to look to Christ. Amen.